Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dash Radio Show with your hosts, Don Wright DeBrantz and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on facebook.com forward slash the Dash Radio. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to tonight's Dash Radio Show. This is Dawn Wright Oliveris. Oh, Dawn Wright DeBrantz, a.k.a. Oliveris, uh, coming to you from Arkansas. We have Peter Mingles over there in Florida, and our special guest tonight is Miss Denise Michaels, and she's out there in sunny Las Vegas. Welcome to both of you, and welcome to all of you who are listening in. Thank you so much, Dawn. You're welcome. And Peter, are you here? Peter's right here. Awesome. I can't wait to hear about writing books. I can't wait to hear about writing books. <laughs> awesome. Had, I can't oh, wait to share. <laughs> a lot of talking about writing books lately. And, um, you know, Denise, there, there's one of these things, and you know I'm going through it because I, I have I have joined your International Book Writing Guild. I have come to you groveling, going, oh, my God, you have to help me get a book out of me. I have a book. I have a book in me. I have five, and I need to get focused, and I need – but as an entrepreneur and as a business person, there are always five million other things drawing at my time that tell me it's more important as a business person that I be doing those things instead of this thing. So convince me why I need to spend the next many hours this week focusing over here instead of over there as a business person. Well, I think when you are a business person, we're always focused on what's short-term, you know, low-hanging fruit, you know, like what uh, cash flow can I create this week or this month. And then we're also focused on um, longer-range projects, you know, projects that are going to come to fruition for us in six months or a year from now. And a book is one of those mega, mega, mega projects that is not instant gratification, obviously, as, as you know, but it's one of those longer-range projects that I swear to you, Don. once you do it, it will be with you, and I mean that in a good way for the rest of your life. I mean, my book came out seven years ago, and I am still leveraging. I mean, I've written other books, you know, for uh, with people since then, but I mean, my, my big book about marketing for women came out seven years ago, and I'm still getting speaking engagements from it. I'm still getting you know, radio opportunities and clients and, I mean, all kinds of things for a project that I did seven years ago. And I think when you look at um, the time that you put into, you know, longer-range planning, there's very few things that will have a payoff more than maybe two years, maybe three years ahead of time. You know, for me, this has definitely paid off over the long haul. So, But you have to balance it with the short-term projects, you know, that sort of instant gratification kind of stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I tell you, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting every time I think about it. So, you know, I read Testosterone Free Marketing, and I know how powerful that book was when I read it seven years ago when we met during, it feels like a million years ago, um, <laughs> and how yeah. long we've known each other and uh, watching each other's careers move in the directions that they have. So um, tell me what it was, uh, because like I'm in the place of oh gosh I'm starting my outline for my first book and um I Yay. know you remember what this was like I know it's so exciting um but and you're the one teaching me how to do this and and creating I mean you've become from from somebody who began her first book eight, seven eight years ago to you know the nurse mother helping others give birth to their creations um, and and writing literally writing the book about how to write a book, um, which by the way I looked and looked and looked, and when I found that you were the one who created this, I was uh, tickled pink because 
I kept looking for, well, but I don't even know the first thing about how to start to write a book. I mean, you know, I didn't go to school for this. I didn't, you know, I don't know everything there is about how to write a book. So can you give us a little bit about the story of how you came to write your first book and what that process was like for the people out there who are considering doing this or dreaming of doing this but don't know how to even go about beginning? Well, I absolutely and and to do it effectively I have to go back even more than 7 or 8 years. I mean, I was 8 years old and got a book report back from my horrible third grade nun at St. Michael's Catholic School with an A++ and a gold star on it and I said I am going to be a writer and it was like one of those pivotal moments where you just knew that you knew that you knew at such a young age and and so you know I took every journalism class and every creative writing class all the way through high school and journalism was you know one of my majors in college marketing was the other one because I had to be you know sensible but I came to love marketing too and you know so fast forward a long a long time i actually wrote my first book 20 years ago it was a novel it was called letters from san diego and i like i killed off my ex-husband it was a lot of fun right it was that <laughs> cathartic you know verbal diarrhea kind of thing you know but it, it was cool so um anyway i wrote that book and then in I think it was fall of '99, I went to work for a New York Times number one best-selling author and seminar guru, and I became a uh, trainer in his organization. It was all about creating multiple streams of income, and when you wanted to learn about marketing, you got moi. And what ended up happening is I. Um, um, did a lot of webinars back then. And what I noticed is I I started doing kind of one-on-one mentoring with people. And I noticed when I would talk with people one-on-one on on the phone, if it was a guy, you know, and this was all about marketing, he would say, I'm so excited, Denise, let's get started. And when I would talk to a woman, she would say, okay, Denise, before we start, is there any way I can avoid this? Can I hire you to do it for me? You know, and I'd always been different, interested in sort of like these Mars Venus differences between men and women. That was something that always fascinated me, and I kept noticing the same pattern over and over and over. And I thought, you know, why is it that there's books about differences between men and women when it comes to relationships? There's books about differences of men and women in the corporate world, but there was nothing when it came to small business and marketing. And, of course, you know, marketing is all about communications, building relationships, and solving problems. And men and women do that in totally different ways. So that question just kept going around and around and around in my brain and thinking about cause and effect, and that became my book. You know, also being around authors, being around people like, you know, Brian Tracy and Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen. And, you know, I mean, these people would send me their manuscripts before they went off to Simon & Schuster or John Wiley and & Sons. And I was personally mentored by a woman who had six New York Times bestsellers um, to her her name and when she approached me about mentoring I was like are you nuts I got a degree in journalism I don't need a book mentor (laughs) and she said well yeah but that means you know how to write an article it doesn't mean you know how to write a book and Mm. I went oh she's good (laughs) (laughs) And, and I worked with her and that that was very very valuable so that was kind of the path being around authors and seeing it as possible and and really learning that you know, the how-to and personal growth stuff is where it's at. Because I always knew, you know, I was going to write a book and it would be successful and I had no idea at what time in my life or anything like that. But I knew, you know, and being around people like that, you know, led me to see this as being a possible dream and also possible for me. And so anyway, but if it weren't for those people that I was mentoring one-on-one and really seeing those differences between men and women, you know, that's that's where the inspiration came from. 
That's awesome. And, you know, I have to say that in my life, in my world, my career path, in all the different aspects of industry that I've ever touched, there's nothing that has been more valuable to me than mentorship, um, both in the receiving and the giving. Um, I, I think that the receiving of mentorship from somebody who's done it and who can actually, you know, hold my hand and, and like, when I'm in the ditch can go, ah, it's just a ditch, come on. You know, <laughs> it's just yeah, right. exactly. it's an amazing, amazing. And when I'm staring at the white page going, ah, I don't even know what the first thing to do here is, having somebody who go, oh, that's easy, this is the first thing is the most valuable thing on on the planet. I and and really like you have in your just just in the very beginning of this and I had no we haven't even scratched the tip of the surface um but just in having you there my book has begun. And Yay! it was nowhere near <laughs> that, you know. It was an idea and a thought, but just having you there and it's it's I know that it's going to happen and I know that that's what I'm sure you hear from everyone who who enters your mentorship program all the time all the mm-hmm. time and I got to say you know that that sort of fear of the white piece of paper or you know the white screen on the laptop as it is these days mm-hmm. um happens to everyone and I go back to a professor I had back in J school years ago I mean, he was a writer for the Washington Post and a speechwriter for Richard Nixon, and he said, just plan on the fact that your first few sentences, maybe even your first paragraph, is probably going to be garbage and you're going to throw it away. So don't worry about it. It's like priming a pump. You know, it's like an old-fashioned pump, and you got to pump and pump and pump, and nothing comes out, and then a few drops of water comes out, then a little brown, rusty stuff comes out, and then the good stuff comes out, you know. And it's the same thing with writing. And I do that every time I write something on my blog or an article or, or work on a book or anything. It's, it's, it's the same thing. It's like we've got to get our brains ready for the good stuff. Right, absolutely. Okay, and on that note, we're going to go ahead and get to commercial. We'll be back shortly. Do you run a home-based business? Are you looking under every rock for your next superstar diamond in the rough? Are you looking for leads in all the wrong places? Look no more. If you're a seasoned entrepreneur, you know you need the right tools in place to run your online business effectively. If you're brand new at your business and you are looking for top-notch training that will take you and your sales team to the next level? For email marketing, autoresponders, lead management systems, and more, Network Leads is what you need to prospect, communicate, manage, and support your customers and sales organizations. Just go to www.networkleads.com forward slash the dash radio and register for your free lead management system today. You've been listening to The Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronce and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. And now... Back to the show. Hello and welcome back to this Monday evening of the Dash Radio where we have, um, my name is Dawn Wright Oliveris, if you don't know who I am, and then we've got Peter Mingles, and we have Denise Michaels, our special guest, who is a a fantastic best-selling author of Testosterone Free Marketing, and she has this groovy project called the International Book Writing Guild. Will you please give them the link if they want to come look for you? Do they do that at denisemichaels.com, or is there somewhere else you want to direct your people? Um, You know, I have a blog at denisemichaels.com. I haven't been using it as much lately because I am like – about two pages of web copy ready from completely launching uh, the new website. You can type out the whole URL, internationalbookwritingguild.com, or you can just type IBWGuild, G-U-I-L-D.com. Okay, uh, ibwguild.com. And we're going to go ahead, and I have a write-up on you, and I will make sure that I go ahead and I update that write-up 
on the dash radio.com. So I will make sure that for anybody who's listening to this, we get a lot more people listening to the archives. Head on over to the dash radio.com to the Denise Michaels post and everything that you'll want will, will, will be there and we'll make sure we have a really nice write-up for all of the information you could need and another uh, link to this recording. So, um, But IBW for International Book Writing, IBWGuild.com. So, right, and Guild is G-U-I-L-D.com. There we go. Thank you. And uh, and Peter, I don't want to be a hogger because I know <laughs> she's an exciting guest. What do you, what would you like to know? I just I'm so glad they invite they in, invented spell check. That's all really. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't we all right? Yes. I you know I, I I hate to say it. I'm old enough to bring my old belief systems to this radio show, in reference to thinking about writing a book. So. You know, I would imagine that, you know, in the prehistoric ages where I grew up, there was pens and paper, and then you had to, like, scratch out things and maybe use white up or something you'd have to type on with a key thing. And then eventually you'd have to send it out, the manuscripts. When you talk to um, when you hear about the Jack Canfields and the Mark Victor Hansons in the world, the amount of re- – those are the chicken soup for the soul guys, or at least that's what they're best known for. You think about it, all the publishers that said no to them in the process of saying yes, and you just say, when do I fit in – you know, the physical writing of the book, when do I do all that sort of stuff, when do I have time, like a madman or a stalker, to go out there and go get all those things, and then you could just imagine you'd have to figure out how to print them, and you start whipping yourself into the emotional frenzy that I'm whipping myself into, thinking about the old way that books might be published. Has anything changed? Oh, my gosh, massively. Well, first off, that's about six questions rolled into one. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, Peter, I have to tell you, as we're talking, I'm looking at, I have an old 1940s Royal uh, Manual Typewriter. <laughs> it's really a relic that uh, I bought at a swap meet um, about 15 years ago when my husband and I first started dating. And uh, whenever I do, like, expos and shows and things like that, it's it's one of, part of the display on the table, the old typewriter. But, anyway... Wow, things have changed massively, massively, massively. I mean, publishing a book is so within the realm of so many other people, Uh, so many people. I mean, writing it still takes time. Um, I believe the program that I have streamlines it for the average person so that you can, you know, you don't have to um, – quit your day job, you know, you can keep doing what you're doing, but you do have to budget in some time. How much time depends on how quickly do you write and and are you accurate. Um, I, I do tell people it's probably a good idea to enjoy writing. You know, I was talking with someone on the phone uh, last week and she said, well, I basically don't really enjoy writing, but, you know, if you kind of keep on my butt, you know, and I said, nah, I think I'll pass. You know, like you need a ghostwriter, you know. Um, But anyway, um, but boy, the publishing arena changed massively. And Peter, it was an area that was so ripe for change um, because writers, you know, aspiring authors were treated in such an awful way. I mean, the only people who get published by the major publishers anymore these days are the Kim Kardashians, you know, the Hillary Clintons, the uh, Newt Gingrich, uh, you know, the the people who have massive, massive national pl- uh, platforms. That's who gets published these days, okay, by the large publishing houses. However, get this, all right, if you have a book, okay, you can go to Amazon.com. All right, you can upload your book into Kindle. There are people who will do it for you uh, for like a couple hundred dollars, or if you want to be patient and you know follow the step-by-step instructions, you can do it yourself. You click the upload button, and within 24 hours, you have a book for sale on Amazon.com. And the cool thing about it is, let's say a hardcover book these days is. $25, I'm just throwing a number at you. You know, sometimes it's a little more um, soft cover or a little less, but let's say $25. The average author would look at getting a royalty of about a buck and a quarter 
on each of those books. In other words, that's their payment is about a buck and a quarter per book that's sold. Um, if you're like a really good author, meaning you've sold a lot of books, okay, recognize really good means not necessarily you're the best writer on the planet, but you've sold a lot of books on the planet. You might be able to eke out $2, maybe two and a quarter royalty on the, uh, on the Kindle and Nook books. Get this, number one, they sell for less money because there's no paper and ink. Okay, mm-hmm. you know you're downloading it onto your e-reader device. I was reading a book on uh, on my Nook this morning, so the price is lower. So a hardback that if I had bought it at Barnes and Noble would have cost me thirty bucks. I got for fourteen dollars and loose change. The author gets seventy seven zero percent of really? the price. So yeah, I mean you know it's really really a good deal. And what a lot of people do is they'll have the book on Kindle or Nook. You know, that's where the majority of their sales are coming from. And then they'll do some books that are on -on print-on-demand, which is a much faster way to publish it and getting it out there. And that's what they have available for sale if they're giving um, talks or something and people are going to buy books in the back of the room. That's fascinating. So the digital digital world made it easier less risk, and more profitable for the individual author? Far less risk. You know, I was chatting with somebody on Facebook this weekend, and she said, I'd really like to do your program, but there's no way I can afford to self-publish my own book, you know, like publish a couple thousand copies or something like that. You know, and I explained to her, look, you upload this thing for free. It's available for sale, when, you know, within 24 hours, and you get 70%. You put nothing out for publishing books, you know. So what was, and in, in the, in in the past, there are so many people that got ripped off by these self-publishers. They would charge so much money for individual self-published books, you know, by the time you sold it, there was no way the author could make a profit. And I've talked with numerous people who've told me, you know what, every time I sell a book, it kills me. I'm losing money. And that's exactly the opposite from where you want to go. Wow. Can you imagine, Peter, every time you sold a book, you lost money? We, yeah. we're, we were looking at a, a, a situation that that was happening to somebody who was – we were just talking about that, Denise. Um, uh, somebody that we know was creating something, and the more that they were selling because they, they just didn't – they didn't formulate at the very beginning what their costs were going to be. And it it was heart-wrenching to watch that if they actually succeeded anymore, they were going to go completely under because they didn't they didn't figure out their costs on the on the onset correctly. And so every single person that decided to to come uh, was going to cost them money. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, what a horrible mistake is- to make. One of the things that I learned early in the game before my book came out is that the cost of what's called P, P, and B, that means printing, paper, and binding, which is basically, you know, the manufacturing cost, has to be one-eighth to one-tenth the cover price. So that means a $20 book, all right, needs to be no more than $2 to maybe two and a quarter, because you figure the bookstore takes 50%, and then the distributor takes another 20%, and you've got the manufacturing cost in there, and now you've got something left over for yourself. So not knowing those numbers, just that fact right there can set you up for a situation where you're going backwards. Wow. That's priceless information. So in the books Mm -hmm. business, the physical tangent has got to be like an 8 to 10 to 1. A little bit like the MLM business, if you're going to sell a pill, a potion, or whatever, you need a five- or a ten-time markup before you even say, hello, this is going to be worthwhile. So for all right. those for all those people that judge MLM as being high, prof, uh, high profits based on the cost of manufacturing, you just heard it in the books business, it's very similar in the physical yeah, hard section books business. It's, it's true for um, any information product, you know, whether it's, a book, a seminar, a CD package, 
you know, there's, you know, people wonder, like, why is this package $400 or why is this package, you know, $900 or something like that? Well, number one, it's all about the value of the information inside, not the cost of manufacturing the thing, you know. But the other thing is, is by the time you pay, you know, marketers and distributors and all these things, you know, you're you're looking at having a much smaller amount of money left over. And and I was one of those strange people. Everyone told me, oh, you have to get your book printed in China. Have to, have to, have to. I went, no way I'm going to find a way to have it published in the U.S. And I did. And I kept it within those parameters as far as, you know, the cost of, of the uh, manufacturing as opposed to the cost of selling the book. Um I, I think after the commercial break, I'd like to talk about the translation process because now I guess with different things, the translation might be a little bit easier. But let's stick on the topic that we're here right now. So you have found that through the digital age that has happened in the past, an ordinary person might receive extraordinary results for low risk, take their intellectual property in their head, be able to type this stuff out, figure out how to upload it, and if they wanted it in print, to be able to get that in their physical reality as well. And the author wins more so now doing it that way than the book house, if you will. Yay! That's a good thing. (laughs) That's a good thing. So there would be more freedom of information, if you will, because more people can write more books. That's it. So in reference to that, what's the as we as we come to the commercial break, what's going to happen in about a minute or two? Just quickly, give us the thought process of why more people don't. Is it? And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe their prejudged uh, theory about how complex it would be. What else? Well, you know, a lot of people don't know because even Peter, if you just looked five years ago, mm-hmm. you know, the whole Kindle and Nook thing would, had hadn't been worked out yet. You know, I mean, I just told this woman, she's a pretty sharp gal in business, and she had obviously checked out the prices of self-publishing and everything. And when I told her about it, she did not know that this was possible. And you have other people that labor under the misinformation that a book that's self-published is not as credible as a book that's published under Simon & Schuster or something. True maybe 10, 15 years ago, not today, not anymore. Well, that's really good to know. You know, so so you don't have to go looking for a publishing house and, you know, pray that somebody's going to buy your book before you even consider writing it or spend years writing your novel and never have it be seen because, you know, it, you can just upload it and go ahead and let your leave, let even just the closest people to you know about it and um and and start there. Yeah. Absolutely, and of course, the biggest thing is is you know, tell off your friends to read it and then put reviews on Amazon because you know the bots and the spiders like the reviews on there. So you know there are lots of online strategies for this, and it definitely favors the author, as Peter was saying, which is just tips the whole publishing industry on its head. Right. Okay, so we will we will come right back after this commercial break and we will start up right on that point. Axel? Savage Smokes is a new site on the scene dedicated to the trending electronic cigarette industry. If you are looking into e-cigs as an alternative to tobacco and have been disappointed by the ones you picked up at the gas station or you kept your money in your pocket because you didn't know which one to buy, head to SavageSmokes.com for honest and up-to-date electronic cigarette reviews on most e-cigs you see on the shelves. You've been listening to The Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronx and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on facebook.com forward slash the dash radio. And now, back to the show. And welcome back to this Monday evening episode of The Dash. We have fabulous, fabulous guest Denise Michaels, 
And um, I just want to make sure that I give her a shout-out. If you guys want to check out Denise and all that she does, make sure you get on over to denisemichaels.com. And if you have a book in you, and I know that there's an awful lot of people who are listening to this show, um, either live or on archives, that do have a book in them. Um, because we have a lot of entrepreneurs and marketers who <laughs> listen to our show. And I, as a 25-year marketer, we all have stories and we all have how-tos. And if you're a leader, in, especially in network marketing, you know you've got a book in you. And so um, I can highly recommend it. Get on over to IBW for International Book Writing Guild, G-U-I-L-D. That's I-B-W-G-U-I-L-D. Dot com and and sign up for Denise's next class. Next class? Do you call it a class? I call it a group book mentoring program. There you go. Sign up for her next group book mentoring program. <laughs> so Denise, tell us a little bit about what the process is um, with with all of this because you know. I know for myself, you know, I just started going, I know I have this book in me. How am I going to get started? I'm going to go ahead and Google. And um, I uncovered a seven-year friend. But, um, you know, how will somebody, how does somebody go ahead? What do they need when they're going to come to you? Um, can they come with just, you know, uh, hey, I want to write a book. Do they need to have some stuff ready? Um, you know, how how do people, how should they come? Well, you know, I, I get different situations. I get some people who just have an idea in their head. I get some people who say, I got the whole book in my head, to which I always reply, you can't put your head on the shelf at Barnes & Noble. All right? I get some people who've been blogging, and they think um, there could be a book inside all these blog posts they've been, do they've been doing, or journaling, or, you know, they just have an idea what they want to write. Now, very often the idea is not completely fine-tuned. And in an initial conversation, I'm very good at helping people sort of fine-tune their book idea so that it's more marketable and so that it more um, fully sort of expresses what their passion is and connects with their target niche market. All right? So come to me with an idea and I will help you fine tune that idea and make it better and what ends up happening after I ask maybe a half a dozen questions is they'll go, oh my gosh, that's it, that's awesome, <laughs> you know, that, that's better than what I came up with, so that's good. Um, helps to enjoy writing, you don't have to be Hemingway or Shakespeare by any means, but if you enjoy writing, you know, a blog post, an article, a paragraph, a letter once in a while, um, you know, those are all things that put you in good stead because if you can write a paragraph, you can write a book. The thing is, is people look at it as this big, huge, massive project, but when you break it down, I mean, we're not loading astronauts here. We're writing a book, you know, <laughs> and um, and it, it's not as difficult when you break it down into smaller pieces, and, and that's what I do. And really the first thing, Don and Peter, um, is to kind of organize your work. So like you said at the beginning of the show, I'm starting to work on my outline. Well, that's a fundamental piece, and I have kind of an organic, fun way of, of, um, of uh, showing people how to do their outline so it, it doesn't seem like, you know, sixth-grade English class or something like that. Um, but there's the outline, and there's a few other uh, kind of basic things that you need to have in place before you start writing. But if you take the time to do those things, like do a really great outline and, and do a competitive analysis where you've looked at uh, what other books are out there and how is your book going to be a little bit different or unique from them, those are very, very revealing projects. And people get really excited after they do them because they go, wow, my book is going to be awesome. I mean, they get more and more excited once they've done that. And when you've got that foundational stuff in place, then you can start. But the one question, and your listeners might want to write this down, one question that's really, really pivotal um, to helping people kind of come up with what is that idea that's going to really, you know, kind of send them to the moon is this, and I'll say it twice. What is my life? the laboratory for, for which I am 
the perfect answer. I'll say it once more. What is my life the laboratory for, for which I am the perfect answer? And, you know, what that's saying really is what problem have I gotten really, really good at solving, so much so that I can help other people with it? That's excellent. Thank That's you. That's excellent. <clears throat> yeah, because, I mean, seriously, just when I know from my process, I've been going, okay, so what should I write my book about? And I came to you, and that's why I asked the question, because so many people, you know, that are out there might think that they have to already know what their book's going to be about when they come to you, and I most certainly did not. I had I had some ideas. I know I had this one. I know I had that one. Um, I have, you know, a couple of books in me, but I don't know which one I should really focus on. And and really, even though I, I knew kind of sort of what I wanted the topic to be about in a general sense of the word um, on one of them, I didn't really know what what it should be. And, you know, you taught me another very important thing, and I hope it's okay if I, if I say this out loud, but um, the type of books that sell out there versus the types that just don't. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. um, so would you share a little bit about that? Is that okay for us sure. to share here? Absolutely. You know, when I started doing this program, it seemed like everybody that came to me said, I want to write a memoir. I want to write a memoir. I have this great story, and I think it's going to help other people, which is very noble. But, you know, one of the things that I learned in this journey of educating myself about books and the book industry and publishing is that memoirs, are the slowest-selling category of books. And when I first learned this, I thought, oh, well, this is just somebody who's, you know, they're biased against memoirs, right? Well, about a year and a half ago when all the Borders stores closed, I'm really blessed because I had both Borders and Barnes & Noble across the street from each other. And I said, I'm going to stop in Borders about once a week and see what's selling, what's not, buy a few Christmas gifts, whatever. Well, I went into that border store the day before they closed for good. And I mean, the furniture was gone, the bookshelves were gone. It was like this big, huge cavernous room. The soda fountains were gone. Three tables full of books. And the majority of them were memoirs, a few Spanish language books. But about 75 to 80% of them were memoirs. They still hadn't moved after being marked down 90%. And it really makes when you think about it, Dawn, because when people walk into a bookstore or they go on Amazon, they're not thinking, I think I'd like to read somebody's story. You know, they go in and they're thinking, I'd like to solve a problem. I want to lose weight. I want to improve my relationship. I want to get my kids to clean up their room. Or, or you know, I want to decorate my house differently or something like that, right? And so what mm-hmm. do they do? They go to those how-to and personal growth sections of the bookstore, which is you know, the nonfiction books sell twice as many as fiction, right? And that's where they go. Now, we can take your story, all right, and we can add what's called prescriptive writing. In other words, you can share a snippet, a vignette from your life, but then if you tell people what to do, to solve that problem, all right? Surprisingly, in life, people don't want to be told what to do, but in books they do, you know? If you um, tell them what to do, give them some action steps or, or, you know, something like that, then it becomes what's called prescriptive writing. Now it belongs in the how-to or personal growth sections, and now your story becomes much more marketable. Right. Fascinating. Fascinating, and and the process of that is is probably not only um, well. I know it's therapeutic. I think that's a very therapeutic process because so many people, just in the personal development realm of things, um, people get very addicted to their own story. Um, but actually, going out and or, or creating that responsibility um, exercise of, okay, yes, this happened to you or you created this, how about that? And then now how can you help other people from it is a 
an absolutely therapeutic and and wonderful way to go ahead and and spin and process something that can be really difficult for somebody into something that not only they can go ahead and remedy and heal from, but also that they can help others with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that when you move from um, sort of living in the problem and living in the, oh, wasn't it awfulness of it, to here's what to do to solve it, you know, it's very cathartic. It's very, very healing. And um, very much so. And I get a lot of people who come to me and they say, you know, Denise, I'm doing this great um, uh, workout thing and I've really fallen in love with fitness and eating healthy and everything and I've lost all this weight, but I'm not completely there yet. I have another 40 pounds to go or something. I can't really write a book because I'm not perfect, right? You know, or I can't write a book about how to make money. I'm not a millionaire yet. Right, and the truth is, is that you can because you can be sort of like the journalist, the observer, the chronicler, and say, you know what? I've heard that this works. I'm having success. I'm going to bring you on my journey as I make it work more and show you what I've done to be successful. And you can mm-hmm. write that kind of book, and you don't have to be there yet because most people write the book they needed to read. Right, right, <laughs> for sure, absolutely. As, so as we go, when, oops, go ahead, sorry. Peter. Go ahead. Well, I was going to go ahead, Dawn. You complete your thought because we have a couple of minutes left before the break, and I would just want to have a little bit of a conversation about uh, the the changes, and we're not going to have enough time in between now and the next commercial. So go ahead. Well, that's exactly what I was saying. I was saying, and when we get back from this commercial break, <laughs> <laughs> which one I'm ready to take yet? So I'm sorry, I broke your pattern. No, you go ahead. So so you go ahead and give well, them an intro as to what we're going to talk about when we get back. Well, I want to talk about the digital age because if we take a look at it, you know, we had the physical hard books. You saw the what happened with the book industry relative to the Barnes & Noble stories or the what are Borders book stories that you're telling a little bit later. And then we have the proliferation, I guess, if you will, of these Kindles and whatever. So I was like the past, this is the present. I want to ask you on the other side of this, what's the future? But maybe you can give me a, a quickie answer to one of the inevitable questions that I think a lot of people are having is what kind of a difference can I make or someone make in writing a book? If there's already a thousand books written in the history of man on sales, what is going to be unique about mine? So you can touch either that now or after the break. But there's got to be some people that are thinking about, you know, whether it's weight loss or sales, like what could be possibly so unique about mine that somebody would want to read my book versus another? And and I'm going to ask you to do that. You have to do that after because I want you to get into that a little bit if you don't mind. Do you mind? Okay. And and I want to pitch. I just I got to pitch the Kindle right now or the Nook. But Alex and I we traveled all over the world, and one of the things that um, I fell in love with in that process because before we did it, and and one of the things when they came out with the Kindle, it was right when we returned from a 21 month world tour. And when you put everything in your life into a backpack and every ounce counts, um, and one of the most important things when you travel the third world is to have something to read because there is no television. There, you know, you can grab movies in some main, you know, main cities and throw them into your laptop. But other than that, it's only books. And all we had was from city to city, we would go in and we would trade out our old books at book exchanges and pick up new books. And I almost cried when they came out with the Kindle, in gratitude for this invention. So for those of you who have been, if you've been procrastinating on this purchase, it is the best thing since sliced bread. I got myself one of the white paper ones for Christmas for my own Christmas present. It's the best thing I've ever done for myself, ever. So don't be cheap. Spend the 170 bucks um, or 139 or 100, even like 79 at some of them now. And grab yourself a Kindle. You will be so glad you did, and you will open up a whole new world for yourself. And if you do it through the resource section of the Dash, we will actually earn an affiliate commission on that. And make sure you take care of us, and we'll keep taking care of you. And now, a word from our sponsors. Are you in a run about your taxes? 
No more with this simple template. Your business deserves the best, and so do you. Try our simple bookkeeping formula. You'll look organized, find your receipts, and you might even get a write-off. One thing is for sure, you'll thank us. Visit bit.ly forward slash the dash taxes. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash D-A-S-H taxes. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronx and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. And now... Back to the show. And welcome back to The Dash. And this is our final segment. And I just want to say, if you've missed everything until now, make sure you go back and listen to the archive. This is one of my favorite episodes so far. We have a fantastic guest. Her name is Denise Michaels. You can check her out on denisemichaels.com. You can get in touch with her for her Book Writing Guild, if you go to IBW, that's International Book Writing, IBW, Guild is G-U-I-L-D, so IBWGUILD.com, and um, and get in touch with Denise, and she'll she'll figure out if, if she, can, she can do you right in her book mentorship program. So, Peter, you were heading this off, so why don't you go ahead and repeat what we want our topic to be for this I, last segment. I will, but I can't. I can't stop poking fun at you in this example. Are you ready? I'm ready. You've got to picture this in your mind. Okay. So you take poor Alex out on 21 months around the world visiting small third world countries, <laughs> and then you buy a Kindle, and you're the one who's holding the 8-ounce Kindle as Alex is touring behind you with the donkey and the 80-pound <laughs> solar panel to be able to solar charge your Kindle. Actually, he had the cord and the stones for all the jewelry we were making, and okay. I got to carry the pack with the three pairs of genie pants and the two T-shirts. But, yeah, you of, got the idea. Yeah, I'm thinking <laughs> the, the Alex and the donkey and the 80-pound solar panel hitting the sun so you could recharge your Kindle. <laughs> Third-world country. Yep. So, so, anyway, I was just thinking two thoughts. <laughs> It was accurate. It was an accurate picture. I see that. I, yep, I see that. <laughs> so anyway, so the so one of the scenarios was, I guess, the self-doubt that maybe some people might have is, how could my book make a difference? You know, or should I, or should someone even write a book? If there's been books written about probably every topic since the beginning of time and the proliferation of the ease of making books, somebody might be thinking, you know, all the distractions and maybe not even writing one, and what success looks like in writing a book. So I know that's a multifaceted question, but then I want you to come back if you can in any time remaining and talk to us about how the book's business has changed and where you see it going in the future. So I guess tackle the first one first. Denise? Have we lost Denise? I think she's here. <laughs> she was here. Find her. Yeah, she's probably looking up pictures of guys and donkeys and solar panels. <laughs> I'm telling her, are you muted? Did we lose you? Well, in the meantime... Um, I'm going to just give a little bit of a something until Denise bursts in here and says, I'm here, because um, she has been a real godsend to me in the process of of figuring out what my book's going to be. And i got to tell you that in the process of all of this, um, you, you tend to go ahead and find out that you've got more than one book in you. So the beautiful part of all of this is that, um, you know, you might have more than one book. Pick the one that is the the one that you've got all the burning desire John? to. Yep, I got you. You're I'm back. I'm back. Sorry, yes. I don't know what happened. No so, problem. But it, it, let me finish the sentence. You you pick the one that you've got the burning desire to go ahead and write, and then you always have the next one and the next one. And I was sharing with them, Denise, that in this process with you, I figured out I have multiple books in me. And it's right. just a matter of picking the first one and then the next one. So, okay, back to it. Did you hear okay. Peter's question? Yeah, yeah, I certainly oh, right. did. Here's the thing, all right, um, for 
many years, there was one person who was sort of like the lead guy when it came to the topic of real estate investing, okay? And that guy is in his, I think he would be in like his low 60s now, all right? But you've got people in that Gen Y generation who are like, you know what, he hasn't invested in his own real estate in years. I want somebody in my age group. I want somebody that, you know, knows what I know, that's, that's part of my generation, that sees things the way I see things, because the world has changed a great deal. And the truth is is that there are people who are going to resonate with a certain kind of message one way, and there are people who are going to resonate with it another way. And, you know, my book, I mean, you know, and I ask myself this question many, many times, either I am a complete idiot or I am completely brilliant while I was writing my own book because there was tons and tons and tons of books on marketing, but there was nothing that addressed it from the point of view of the experience that I had. And it's that humanity, it's that experience that makes your book different and unique. It's answering that question I asked early. What is my life the laboratory for, for which I am the perfect answer? It's no longer good enough to write a book about overcoming obstacles or increasing your self-esteem. It has to be more specific, more niche, and that's one of the things that I help people do. You know, And it's that and then the building of your brand and your platform so people are attracted to it and drawn to it, and they go, oh, this is a little different than the other half a dozen books I have on my bookcase about blogging or about, you know, um, um, walking for exercise or yoga or feng shui or, or whatever it is. This is a little different, you know. I like this. And it's creating that slightly unique difference that will make the difference between whether your book sells or whether it comes across as like a copycat in a Me Too. So that answers the first part of the question, I think. The other part of the question Peter was asking me about is where I see books going in the future. Well, to take a look at that, all you have to look at is how far cell phones have come in the last 10 years. I mean, we've gone from the flip phones that could dial and do text to phones where, you know, you could sit there and watch the Super Bowl on it for a couple hours, you know, let alone the thousands of apps that are out there. So if phones can do that, it seems to me that the e-reader e-reader devices like the Nook and the Kindle are probably not that far behind. So wouldn't it be great if there was an exercise book that incorporated videos where you get to see them you know, showing, you know, how to do a lap pull down or how to do a, a perfect stomach crunch or whatever it is. You get to see, you know, the cook in the kitchen and, you know, how you perfectly knead bread or, or whatever that is. So I see the possibility of video being incorporated into books. And also Stephen King about a year ago um, had a book come out one chapter at a time. He had like one chapter come out every month, and people like just followed along with it. And I think that's a possible uh, direction we're going to see things go in, is a book divided into smaller parts because we have short attention spans, we're multitasking, and so we want information in smaller bits. So those are two directions I see as real possibilities. That's a fantastic idea. And I know for someone like me, you know, like I have a really hard time getting from cover to cover. Um, you know, like I I am in the middle of, of 500 things, and if I had pieces of something that I could utilize and access as I needed them and I didn't have to go ahead and commit and get the entire thing and then feel all of the guilt that I never finish a book, um, it would probably really support me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and don't feel guilty. They say that 80% of people never get past page 47. Really? Yeah, which tells you that if you're going to write, and and that doesn't mean that they give up on you as a person, that they'll never come to your webinar or your workshop or anything like that. It's just they lose patience with it. So what that means is you've got to pack so much good content in those first 47 pages people still want to go visit your website and find out about, you know, your webinar or your workshop or your conference or whatever it is that you're doing. 
That's fantastic information. Well, that brings up an interesting question. How long should a book be? I know there's no answer to that, maybe, but is there an yeah, answer there is, to that? There, there is an answer. When you do the um, competitive analysis where you're looking at other books in your niche, one of the things I have people do uh, among you know numerous little tasks is write down the number of pages. And you write them down, add them all up. You know, Let's say if you've compared eight books, divide it by eight, and that tells you how many pages. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a, there's it's an answer brilliant. to almost everything. You know, it's just that to most of us, this idea of book writing, it seems like such a gray cloud. You know, it's like this amorphous thing. There's an answer to all of it. We just don't know what it is. You know, and that's why my group book mentoring program has been so incredibly successful. You know, because what happens is people come in, you know, and they've got this idea. They know it's half-baked. I admit it's half-baked. But they do enjoy writing. They've got something to say. And gradually, over the course of six months, we take that idea and help them craft it into a book and give them the answers, you know, week by week by week. Awesome. Truly awesome. And and I had Peter listening to uh, some of the recording like you had suggested because we we're doing some stuff together. And um, and so he listened to some of your recorded stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's awesome because for someone like me, I'm, I'm buried. I'm buried all the time. I live buried. Peter lives buried. Um, everybody, if you're an entrepreneur and you've got projects and you're working usually multiple projects, you know, fitting in, uh, and I say fitting in writing a book, I mean, I, it's just like any business. If you don't think about quitting three times a day, you're not in business for yourself. And if you don't think there's no way in heck I'm ever going to write this book, I, I I doubt you're actually an author. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I yeah, think and, that... And, and um, it's real common to have that sort of this crisis of confidence, like do I really know enough? Am I good enough? I mean, people see authors as like these larger-than-life people, but the truth is they didn't start out that way. You know, you gradually learn how to kind of take on this mantle of being an auteur, you know. But, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'll tell you what, for the last seven years, Dawn, I will not leave the house without makeup on and heels, you know. I might have jeans on, but I got makeup and heels, you know, because you never know who you might run into in the aisles in Walmart, you know. You just don't know. Right? So you're not going to be caught as one of the people of Walmart.com people, are you? I am not. <laughs> I'm not. I, I run in been, there because I need to buy some nail polish remover or, or shampoo been, or something like that. I have been searching the annals of all of the National Enquirer, and I cannot find any of you in the National Enquirer. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> oh, that's a good thing. Or TMZ. <laughs> yeah, or any of that stuff. So so now you have a book. I guess one of the questions, I know this. we're almost wrapping this up, is how do you go about selling it if that's even important like for most people i'm sure there's some monetary value to writing a book how do you go about selling one well i tell people start building your platform at the time you're writing your book you know create a blog um start writing articles getting them out there um plan what's called an amazon push where you push all the sales into on amazon into like a two-hour segment to push it up to bestseller status, and then you put Amazon bestseller all over everything, you know. Um, in, 30 um, se- in 30 seconds or less, how do you, how, what's the number for Amazon bestseller? Is it three books an hour? Is it 100,000 books in an hour? What's the? Actually, actually, I had a friend who had a personal growth book. She did an Amazon push, and I think it was about 150 books she sold within that two-hour period of time. And that became an Amazon bestseller. Which pushed her up to Amazon bestseller status. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Now, it could be different in different book categories, but in her category, that's what it was. But it's not 100,000 books. It was a smaller number. Uh -uh, Not even close. Not even close. It's good if you make sure that your book is not being released the same day as the newest issue of Harry Potter or the Twilight series or something like (laughs) that, you know, (laughs) I might steal some of your thunder, you know. (laughs) That's good, good, good for the planning side of this. 
All right. Well, Denise, it has been just an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to have you back again soon. And I'm sure we, I will, we will be back for sure when I get this book written, and we'll be having like, a, a dash party. So thank you so much for coming, really. Absolutely been a pleasure, Dawn and Peter. And, Dawn, I'm absolutely delighted I get to uh, support you as you write your book. It's going to be a hoot. <laughs> and and whenever I need to breathe into my, my paper bag, you'll be there to hold it for me. <laughs> All right, guys, okay. have a great one. We'll see you tomorrow night. Same time, same bat channel. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. At The Dash, we know that your time is precious, and your choosing to spend it with us means a lot. To get reminders for our live shows that happen every Monday through Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, click follow on the top of any show. Also, subscribe to our blog for articles, inspirations, and great products and services for your ever-growing business at thedashradio.com. For upcoming mobile experience, text DASH to 37404. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Dash Radio. Again, thanks for spending some of your Dash with us. We look forward to talking with you again soon.